and then you burn them or stab them through the heart and sacrifice them to God. And then, you know, everything's fine. Everyone's like, well done. You're a very wise leader. and I am your host, Philippa War. Joining me today is the now almost healed Brendan Caldwell. Hi. <laughs> and the mighty and never sick Adam Smith. Never wounded, never sick, always nauseous. Hello. Indefatigable, <laughs> which I made an absolute hash of saying. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Okay. Well, I thought I would start today's episode off slightly differently, just because we have had a couple of reader emails um, about our previous topic, which was scary stuff in non-horror games, um, which actually feeds into today's topic, which is comfort games. So... I'm just going to open up and read a missive from Eric which goes, hello, rock and paper and shotgun podcast. Love the show, etc., etc. Thank you, Eric. Um, one of my strongest early experiences of horror in a non-horror game came in Zelda Ocarina of Time. I think we forget now, but that game has a lot of genuinely scary moments. There's a bunch of times when you're being hunted by enemies hiding on the roof or under the floor. I think this happens in the Water Temple. There's those like-likes, um, which if you have played Zelda you'll know they're those like weird hexagonal tube worms that suck you in and take your armor and try and kill you um they might be the scariest experience I've had in the game um he's referring to the re-deads and not the like likes sorry I skipped a bit um basically they are these um humanoid zombie-ish creatures that scream. Um, he describes it as a terrible, inhuman shrieking sound, and it freezes you in place, and then they can kind of leap on your back and start sort of like strangling you in that sort of weird, sort of myths and legendsy kind of evil <laughs> presence kind of way that Zelda has about it sometimes. Um, and uh, he points out, you're frozen on the spot, completely helpless, as they shuffle towards you. That's my story. Love you all. Eric. Question. So, yes. Okay, this is a <laughs> this is a kind of um necromancy grammatical question. Uh if something's dead it's dead. If something's mm. undead then it's alive but used to be dead. What if something's re-dead surely it's just dead again? It's been I killed twice. Don't perhaps. Remember. You go from dead to undead and then re-dead. I don't know what these things are doing. They should. St they're the re-dead. They're dead again. It's like it's like it's like, it's like the double negative that? of the the necromancy world. 
<laughs> what happens after that? Do you get dis dead? Dis dead. Yeah. 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 Did I tell you that once when I was in San Francisco, I had a um, a cab driver who described himself as post life. And wow. I was like, oh, my did you get driven in a cab by Jean Paul Sartre or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, so are you a zombie? Because obviously, and he was just sort of essentially he was trying to describe ennui. Oh, right. So, <laughs> I mean, sure, it was Jean Paul Sartre. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other email, which is another sort of short and sweet one, comes from Anders and says his answer is DEFCON. Um, when you see the oh, launch yeah. detected and are madly scrolling about trying to figure out the trajectory and whether you are the target, then facing the question of whether or not to fire back until you're absolutely sure. Thanks, Anders. And if anyone doesn't know it, yeah, DEFCON is a game about nuclear war about the moment when suddenly you realise that mutually assured destruction is the thing that's going to happen. It is a very horrifying <laughs> game. It is. <laughs> but yeah, so um, at least one of those is actually a comfort game for one of us. I'm if not it's sure Defcon, Defcon wow. manages that. <laughs> but I would say that Ocarina of Time is my go-to comfort game because it's one that I know so well that it's it's like watching a favorite film again and again or watching um you know reading a, a book that i remember from childhood again and again because that's essentially what it is but in interactive form so yeah that that is very much a comfort thing but, I, I think that comfort yeah. and familiarity are very happy bedfellows and i have a similar there are some games i like to revisit um for those reasons um but I Zelda no because I've I've never finished Ocarina of Time. Um, uh, I know, I know. It's uh, I I've played a, a bunch of it, but the only Zelda game I've ever finished actually is uh, Wind Waker. Um, that's a really go. good game. It's very good. Yeah, I love it. Mm. I, the music's my favorite thing in Wind Waker. Just it really like mm. my eyes fill up like in the beginning when you just hear it for the first time. The theme when you're looking out to sea, uh, it's Aww. gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and but yeah, but my um, uh, comfort game at the moment is uh, the Long Dark, and that's become a place of familiar spaces and happy things. And uh, I think the Long Dark, a lot of people would think of it as being the game where you get eaten by wolves um, whilst <laughs> dying from frostbite, which doesn't sound incredibly comforting. But um, but I've got a save which has been running for a long time, so I've got a big stockpile of wood and a big stockpile of um, food and clean water. So I just have a home. It's basically a farmstead that um, I can just go back to and go on little trips out. So it's become it's gone from being a hostile place to being a comforting, familiar place, and there's something really satisfying about that. Mm. Are you doing that thing where you sort of make these little sojourns a away from your base? Yeah. But you always feed back, so you're gradually sort of spider webbing out. No, exactly that. An understanding yeah. of the. <laughs> yeah, and and it's one of the few frustrations I have with that game is that um, because and and I'm not saying it should all be procedural or anything like that, but because the maps are handcrafted, um, I'll only have this experience once, uh, you know, mm -hmm. in this new area of the map because I'm discovering it and much as you might try to role play it, you never can actually forget where things are and pretend you don't know. So that moment where you wander out into a blizzard or you go out, so you go out when it's clear 
and then a blizzard comes down and the visibility is almost zero and you think, I don't know how to get home and mm. you don't know where any landmarks are. I'll only have that one time. So I'm really, really uh, trying to, you know, enjoy it as much as I can because I know that next time I play in this area, I even if I don't want to subconsciously, I know where the farm is. I know where the safe places are. So, yeah. You say that, but I would say, because like, there's a kind of a lake area in one of the sections yeah, yeah. that I thought I knew incredibly well. And then I was in the middle of it heading back towards the house that I was treating as my base and a blizzard descended, zero visibility. And I thought, I'm just going to keep going in a straight line because I know where I'm going. Right, right. I know where I've been. I've got a, a sense of where other things are. So if I walk too far in a different direction, then I'll at least know close up yeah, the landmarks yeah. I'll, to I'll steer see me something. back. Yeah. I ended up a long way away <laughs> and then I died in the cold. That's hubris. <laughs> yeah. That is hubris, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, I would say maybe it isn't an experience you have just the once. Well, well <laughs> definitely not comfortable experience. The, no, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's become more comfortable. The, this game, I think in-game, I've been alive for four months now. So like this, this is an area I know really well. Like it's, it's not, it, it is, but it, it's only the one map because it's split into different connected maps. Uh, but this, and I can't what it's called now, but it's, it's something Valley, the one that I'm in. Um, and okay, it, it's, cause I always go to Mystery Lake. Yeah. Mystery Lake's awful because you can fall through the ice, <laughs> which is like a real, <laughs> no, that's not comfort. No, go to the valley. The valley's fine. Like we're all just oh, down there, I like, like Trapper's drinking coffee. Lodge as well. Trapper's Lodge is great. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, because that's like we should yeah, ask basic. Brendy, what what gives him comfort in times of sickness? <laughs> Especially because he's the one that's been he's been sick. sick. <laughs> Brendy's been sick. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I have been sick the last few days, uh, and I've been playing uh, Final Fantasy IX, um, which it, I've never played before. Uh, just because I wanted something that I could, that I would tell me a wistful, silly fantasy story that I wouldn't have to think too hard about, but also would do it in the confines of a, a genre that I could understand completely without having to learn anything new. So I went and played as um, uh, Zidane, the footballer with the teal. <laughs> <laughs> um, who's become a rogue, a rogue uh, actor, and has decided to uh, kidnap a uh, princess for some reason, and then it all barrels out from there. Um, it's very comforting. <laughs> it's like a big tin of tomato soup, fantasy tomato soup, I, with lots of combat options. I find yeah. JRPGs actually genuinely, and I'm not saying this to be mean. They put me to sleep. I, I fall to sleep playing them, um, which is comforting in a way. No, I, that that I think that's totally fair. Like I have been drifting off. Like uh, it, when it gets to around eleven o'clock or something this week, while I've been playing it, I've been drifting off while playing and just had to say, "Okay, time to go to bed." Do. Just, I think it's, do. I think it's something to do with the repetitive loops. There's, there's yeah, a, yeah, and the yeah. random battles as well yeah, that just yeah. pop up out of the blue, and you're like, oh, another one of these. I never really uh, begrudge them too much because I just kind of do it, get through with it. I learned the hard way running away from every battle is a way to not get anywhere in a Final Fantasy game. Um, mm. So I just kind of like see through it, like duty like, 
um, mm. all these random battles, but they are, it is a sleepy process. Like, you're just kind of going from one place to another, like, pressing the, the progress button, going, oh, yeah, and listening to tiny boxes of text trying to tell you story in a really terse way. That's my impression of the text <laughs> appearing. Uh, that's exactly how everyone in Final Fantasy IX talks. It's great. One of my favorite. And also Animal Crossing. <laughs> uh, um, one of my favorite parts in it was um, I, you, you, you take the princess out, and she's she wants to be kidnapped. Basically, she says, "I want out of this castle." You take her out into the the real world, and she's like, "I don't want to be called Princess Garnet anymore," which is her name. I want to be called something else. And she takes like a she takes a dagger from um from the character, and it's like, "What is this called?" Like she's so naive, she doesn't know what a fucking butter knife is. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't know what a butter knife is. Um, uh, but uh, she she looks at it, and he uh, the your character is a Dan. Kind of goes, "That's a dagger," and she goes, "Hmm, a dagger is it?" And he goes, "Yeah, a dagger." And she's like, so this is a dagger. Dot, you know, dot, 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 ellipsis, ellipsis. And I can see where this is going. And she she turns around and goes, from now on, I shall be called. And then it flips to the screen where you can name your character. That always happens in Final Fantasy when they introduce a new character. And you can name your own. But her her name, her, her suggested name is Dagger. <laughs> and I just go, no, I delete it and call her Knives. <laughs> just instead because i just think no i just think it would be the funniest thing if someone's looking at a dagger saying the word repeatedly repeatedly and then going i <laughs> shall be called knife <laughs> fork um but yeah so i've been playing that and just enjoying the kind of easygoing fa- fairy tale that it's, it's weaving hmm. is that do you play many of the final fantasies or was it more just that you fancied a jrpg no it's just like i wanted to go back uh well like i've played seven and eight and ten so this is one i've missed and i've played the one the newer ones as well so i do like them as a series but it's i i've missed i've missed this one and i wanted to go back and play one that i that people resignedly said was good, mm. Mm. but um, I had already played the others, so it's it's new and old at the same time. Like it's fresh to me, but it's so uh, it's so recognizable and comfortable to play because I know exactly what to do. I know how everything works. I think I get that with hidden object games in terms of you know the the specifics of the plot are going to be a bit different but ultimately you're hitting the same beats and it's similar things that you're doing each time similar mini games similar hidden object screens things like that and i just find yeah. that quite reassuring yeah um mm. it, it might not be like if you'd asked me any other week i might have said something else but just this week i don't know why i've, I've just gone back to it mm. i think the um i really like the loops that you get with things like what we were talking about with the long dark but i also mm. get that with um with subnautica and with slime rancher at the moment um subnautica is the one that i know is contentious <laughs> and it's another one that i think is equally people's horror game you, you both were saying it's your horror game that isn't supposed to be a horror game it's definitely not comfortable <laughs> to go under the water like 300 meters deep get out <laughs> 
I'd rather be eaten by foxes. Uh, wolves, wolves, not foxes. Wow. <laughs> Being eaten by foxes would be really slow. They'd be like, oh, no. And also, like, how embarrassing. Oh, God. No. Like, although, I suppose, are the foxes in Manchester, like, hard? Because the ones the, in The foxes London in Manchester really smoke, like, 20 like, a day. Hard. They're, like, <laughs> they just stand on the street corner with <laughs> a bottle of lager in one hand and a cigarette in the other. No, they're fine. We don't get many because um, I lived in London briefly, it's good for you, and then. I used to see foxes occasionally, but um, not so much in Manchester. No. One came into Brendan's house. A baby fox a came baby into Brendan's fox. house That's right, while yeah. we were watching Eurovision. Wow. Phil Cameron, who works at Gamma Sutra, had to had to lift it and take it out. <laughs> <laughs> Get to hold it in his hands and just like throw it out the front door. (laughs) I had almost forgotten that that had actually happened in real life. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. The thing. Mm. I mean, there's a pack of wolves in here right now, but that's. But you're fine with them. (laughs) Yeah, that's yeah. By invite. (laughs) Um. So, The Long Dark is one of the games that we've actually been playing this week. So, this is all segueing amazingly, <laughs> like all of the different sections. Although it's going to be difficult for you to put tunes in between them, Brendy. <laughs> I'll figure out a way. Another thing that we've been playing is Tacoma. Um, I know that you've played... How much of that have you played, Brendy? I've finished it. Completed oh, okay, cool. It. I've played yeah. 90 seconds or thereabouts, so I'll give you all the all the hot takes you need. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so you've docked, basically. I docked. I managed to dock. So, so we should get Adam. We should get Adam to tell us what he thinks Tacoma yeah. is. Tacoma takes place. Why don't you introduce the game? You go to a space station, and uh, there's a little AI thing that does all the docking for you, and then it reverses into the space station, which I was very pleased about because it's very neat and tidy. And I've played a lot of Elite, in which docking is not neat and tidy because I have to do it myself. So I was really appreciative of that. And then it dropped me off, and I was like, "Where is everybody?" And then it turned out they'd all gone. And I thought, well, they're either they've either been turned into ghosts because it's that's what happens to people. They're either they're either dead, undead, or redead. Um. And I wasn't sure which one. So maybe they're tech dead. <laughs> I don't know, but they're definitely dead. That's my assumption. And I'm gonna have to kill them all again because they've come back from the dead. That's the coma. Why didn't you assume they were throwing you a surprise party? This is very glass half empty. Okay, you tell me about the surprise party they're gonna throw me then. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> um, so Tacoma is uh, by Fulbright, who also made Gone Home. And um, what you are essentially doing is you're investigating a space station called Tacoma. And it's been deserted, so you're there at the behest of the corporation that owns it. And you are just there to salvage the AI that runs the thing because they want it back and can't get it any other way um but while you're there you can like tinker around you can go through stuff that people have left behind you can play ai 
um, recordings that it's made of the people as they go around and have conversations. So you can access snippets of things like that and scrub backwards and forwards in time, following people around and listening to what they were doing and just getting a sense of who they were, but also what happened to them um, as you progress through the ship, um, downloading the stuff that you need to ostensibly fulfill your task. That was quite succinct. I think that worked. I th- that yeah. is what that is what happens. <laughs> that is what it is. <laughs> um, and the thing that I love about it, well, there's a lot of things, but it's just so good at feeding you all of these things in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming. There's so much to look at and so many sort of little um, log entries and, you know, conversations and things, but you only get short snippets of them and some of the data is corrupted and some of the items repeat because obviously you have like bulk supply orders. So, you know, you have lots of different pot noodle packets but they're all the same thing so you can examine one and then feel okay that's the thing that I now know (laughs) Um, and you build up this little vocabulary of the ship um, and the crew members as well and it's just it's really lovely having this tapestry of threads that you gradually see knit together in different ways and you make sense of things that you saw a while ago and had sort of maybe mentally bookmarked and, and it's just this amazing tapestry of things that you know you sort of think oh that's probably just incidental and then it comes back and makes a connection in a way that I guess I just wasn't expecting because I'm usually not very good at law like (laughs) things like destiny or whatever where other people are just like posting to the subreddit going oh yeah did you see this thing in a grimoire card which corresponds to this thing on like a ship in the middle of and you're just going what who has time for that and then suddenly my brain is doing it in this game (laughs) i'm very very glad that tacoma avoids anything like that (laughs) um (laughs) yeah it's just uh i i I do like what you what you can put together about people based on the contents of their waste paper baskets i'm gonna and, i'm i'm gonna have lockers and stuff i'm just convinced that the pot noodles are integral to the plot now that's what i'm getting from this <laughs> it's like you see these incidental details such as the pot noodles and some of the <laughs> no some of the uh some of the products and things lying around are, are really really fun like well, there's um there's a nail varnish uh, yeah. that's, that's called nailed it <laughs> <laughs> uh and there's like did you f- there's loads of different colours as well, like all of the shades have cool names. Oh, is there? I didn't even notice that. Yeah, like all of the different bottles of it that you can find around, like in drawers or on people's like vanity shelf or whatever, like they are all different shades and they all have like their own name. Oh, really? really cool. yeah. I, I think this goes to his frustration that me and you both had, Pip, with um, What Remains of Edith Finch, which we both loved, but that, mm. that reuses... Um, uh, it's like assets very very often and the books yeah the books particularly but when you first go into the house so um the, you're in the kitchen and it's like wow there's cereal boxes and there's packets of pasta and there's recipe books and then the house is just full of that stuff and it's it's good at it but it, it's always one of those things that you know you, you notice don't you when you're looking at detail mm. reused assets and then sometimes a game will make a joke about it and then you're like oh don't though because <laughs> but yeah well here they have just it's 
phenomenal the amount of effort it must have taken like brendy and i were talking earlier and you know the um the fact that you have actual dietary information on food packets mm. and things like that like calorie counts and ingredient lists and manufacturing information it's you know it, ma- it makes your head spin there's so much going on yeah um <clears throat> what was i gonna say like for for anyone who's wondering like what's the point of walking around and talking <laughs> or finding all of these things and looking at all these things there is a larger story at play something has happened or is happening to the people on the ship while, but just to be clear they're, that they're not undead it. re-dead or that that's not <laughs> everyone ignore me i don't know i was making it up <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, but there is there is something that's happening. There's a, there's a wider plot here. It's not just, like, going in and, like, vo- voyeuristically kind of looking at everybody's belongings, although that is part of how mm. you get to know everybody. Mm. Um, there is there is a, a larger story to, to uncover and figure out what's going on. How does um, it compare to Gone Home? Uh, and let me preface this by saying I was somebody who liked Gone Home but found it frustrating. Um, I I love the story in Gone Home, and I think that it um, there's elements of the way the story's told that I really enjoy. But but I always found that it was slightly crude in the way that it used the space, and in the fact that uh, I eventually found like I was just moving from room to room and looking for the thing that gave me the next bit of plot, rather than actually interacting in with the house in a meaningful way. Um, mm. this, here it's like I like it a lot. A lot more than gone home um both in terms of its story and in terms of its setting and in terms of what what it's doing with the kind of uh the the formula of going in somewhere and finding an audio log mm. because they're not really audio logs they're like visual audio logs um where you can it's like immersive theater like yes exactly punch right drunk right right do. right yeah per- there's a perfect uh, parallel actually yeah because you can um, when you come into a room and you'll play the, the 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 holographic message of everybody standing around, and they might all be in one place at one time, and then they'll split off and go different places, but the message is continuing for a long time. So you follow whoever you want, listen to their conversation, like say you follow the red guy and the yellow guy, and find out what they're talking about, and then you rewind it back, and then you go back and you listen to somebody else. And at times they'll be talking over each other, even like groups of people will be talking over each other. I feel it's really it, it it's much better at showing you that a story is unfolding on more in in more rooms than you could otherwise manage. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's very good at communicating that these are characters that have lives that intersect each other but also are individual if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. There's a really good moment as well I was speaking about earlier where uh you go down and you to the pool table in the crew lounge during one of these recordings, and you see that the, the there's an an AI on board called Odin, and he's just a hovering eye, like a pyramid eye, and he's talking to the doctor, I think, uh, playing pool, and um, they're talking together. And I saw this and I paused it, or I thought, ah, well, hang on, I've seen him talking to someone else around this time. That doesn't make sense. And then I went into the kitchen, and he was there talking to two other characters at the exact same moment in time and it just made me realize oh yeah of course he can do that mm. he is a computer 
he can do whatever <laughs> he wants. He's like the computer from her, the movie right, right. the AI is like he, he can just talk to as many people as he wants. He's like, oh, yeah. there was a guy in there using his mobile phone, but I'm sure I saw someone in the next room using a mobile phone as well. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan only believes that one person can use Google at a time. I think it's just because I'm so, so bad at multitasking, it seems fascinating to me that someone could talk to two people at once. <laughs> it's just incredible. This actually uh, brings to mind, it was when you said the, the immersive theatre thing, uh, and I'll be very quick here because this is a game that's not out yet, uh, but uh, Tequila Works, the company that made rhyme and that worked on the sexy brutal and making a game called the invisible hours and it's a vr only game but um that's directly inspired by immersive theater uh and by uh, rear window the alfred hitchcock film oh yeah um, mm. which you know is if anyone doesn't know it i mean I'm, this isn't what the film is but it's a film in which somebody is observing lots of different apartments from a room uh someone who's stationary so the invisible hours is set in a mansion and it's a murder mystery, and you're invisible, and the characters just act out the plot, and you can move around and watch different parts of the plot and do things to disturb parts of the plot and mess with it. But they are performers basically acting this out for you, but you can't see it all in one go-through, so you can't figure out the entire mystery. It sounds really interesting. It's a shame that it's only in VR, though. But, yeah. Mm. Immersive theatre in games is such a rich uh, place of crossover because... So many games, so many of the things that interest me in games are uh, the simulations that are playing out that, you know, we can observe and um, interfere with occasionally. Mm. I think it's, um, I was actually talking to my partner about this because he has a background in in, um, immersive theatre productions and things. And um, one of the interesting things about, Tacoma is that um, it has to find other ways to make the information that you're receiving imperfect because otherwise you could just you know scrub back and forwards and know everything Mm. so what it does is it feeds you things from different times you know you'll watch something from like three months ago you'll watch something from you know a few hours before whatever happened and you know things like that it's about um you having this sense of oh hang on wait how does that line up with this thing and i also found these other things in someone's room so does that answer the other question that i had um so in that way with the with the sort of slightly jumbled way that you receive information it's maybe also a bit like her story right right yeah Which... except her story gives you the freedom to kind of find out things in mm. your own form and although it's a little bit guided by what they say um here it's it's far more linear you yeah but but it sounds like it's much less linear than gone home uh and i don't mean in terms of the actual narrative but i mean in terms of the process by which you uncover the narrative no i'd say it's it's hard to say because it's it's about as the main story i would say is as linear right but but the little the 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 things that will make it important to you and the things that will make it yours and that you'll sort of find yourself digging into sort of augment it and you can go into as much detail as you want around that i think does that sound fair brendy um, yeah, because you will, you might notice, some, like, the nail polish thing, I didn't notice yeah, yeah. that they all had names, and someone else might not notice a, a certain 
speech. I think I missed what one of the characters was saying during one of the during one of the diaries as well, and it it really bothered me when I realized this last night. <laughs> I was thinking about it. I was like, holy! I don't. I didn't hear what the doctor said during that scene, and I was like, I forgot to go and check on what she said, and I was like, what the hell? Like the story still made still made a lot of sense and it still worked well, but mm. because I missed that moment, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, there's something you know I didn't get. Um, and I'm gonna ask Pip what it was after after this is over. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I, Adam will have to put his hands over his. I'll ears. have to go and play it because you know not immediately, but I shall play it. I wanted to play it anyway, but uh, and I I kind of assumed it'd be interesting. Um, because uh, Gone Home was very interesting, uh, but but I knew very little about it until it came out. It's one of those things that's been. Uh, I think it was enough to know. Oh, it's the next game by Fulbright, and I was just fairly interested already. So I, it's kind of. I, I don't know if they released that much information before release. I knew it was science fiction. I knew there was a space station, but I didn't know much beyond that. Um, I think you'll be very impressed. Like the space station, even the setting, of the space station itself is quality. It's mm. so well made the the design of it like from a sci-fi nerd's perspective is wonderful <laughs> like floating through through it to begin with you float through the zero gravity section there's a one of the first things you see is a basketball court but it's in zero g uh, set on a rotating <laughs> cylinder so there's one net on one side and one net on the other side and they're constantly spinning um and mm. i've seen a video of someone on twitter who uh did a trick shot where they threw the basketball and because it's zero G it just travels in a straight line. They threw the basketball and with the momentum of the thing turning, they got it through one hoop. It bounced off the backboard and as it drifted over in a straight line to the other side, the other hoop met the, 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 the trajectory of the ball at the exact moment that it reached it. And it went in the other hoop as well. So they scored two <laughs> points one in each hoop just by doing that. And I think like, for the designers to make it that that detailed because they must have known that you know like that could be done uh, i don't know yeah. if they did but mm. uh, i think as somebody who had the same reaction as me to edith finch in that regard you would probably walk around with your jaw on the floor just picking up objects yeah. and rotating them <laughs> i'm not going to yeah. get past that basketball hoop now well that basketball hoop should, like can do no, the double you... hoop i'm not going to go past it <laughs> You should look out all the windows, though, like because every now and again I I just stop. I mean, I am like this. Space station in it. I'm always like this because I'm always the person when someone says, "Oh, you can finish this game like two or three hours." I'm like, it took me six because I look at everything. You know, I I, I'm very slow uh, going through these things. I think maybe um, this is a good one for when you have played it through. We should get together and do one of those long verdicty, spoilery things yeah. so that we can actually sort of say a bit more in depth about bits that we liked okay, or bits be good. that we noticed that other that the others of us didn't. I thought that yeah. would be kind of cool. Yeah. Can I talk um, about something I've played? Yeah, Since I was just going to say, like, because you played a couple of little things, didn't I you? I did, yeah. Um, I, and the the games that probably no one's heard of, I think a lot of RPS readers will know Tacoma already. Um, these ones you probably won't know. Um, and the first one that I want to talk about... You're so trendy, Adam. <laughs> Such a hipster. <laughs> you that, won't know it. 
I can't believe that that is how that came across. <laughs> I really wasn't no, trying sorry. to do that. Um, uh, so the first one is called Bon Bon. Um, and um, it's a it's the first commercial game from a... Um, <laughs> sorry. It just made me think of that bit in... Um, is it Peter Serafinovitz? And he's like listing out all of those foods on the Brian Butterfield diet. And one of them is bon 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 bons. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you carry on. We'll clip this bit out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so... It's it's a horror game, so <laughs> this is a, I'm really pleased that we've built into it like this. A um, crispy shredded owl. Oh my goodness! So so Bonbon is a uh, a short horror game. It's maybe thirty minutes, forty minutes long, um, and uh, I mentioned it to Pippa, and she said, "Is it the one with the toys?" And it is the one with the toys. Um, so you're a small child. And it's the 1980s and it's Britain. And that seems very important because we were talking about comfort earlier and how familiar things can often be comfortable. And this is in that category of horror that says, hey, here's something really familiar and then makes it more and more creepy and eerie and wrong. Um, and it's a strange game because it the the whole idea of being a child and playing with toys, uh, there's lots of ways that could go that are scary. You know, you get creepy possessed dolls and you get all this kind of, you know, jack-in-the-boxes that spring up. Even something like Five Nights at Freddy's, they're not toys, but, you know, they're, they're toy-like things. And it doesn't do that at all. What it does is it, the toys are fairly benign. You're playing with toys and you're often putting toys away. Your mother's telling you to tidy up your toys. And then something else is watching you as you're doing this. Uh, and it starts to become more and more of a visual presence. Um, and I loved it. I thought it was great. And there'll be a review on the site today. Um, but what I found really interesting about it is that it, it really does feel like a proper kind of, it's a semi-detached suburban house. It feels very authentic. All the toys are real toys from the 80s and some a little bit earlier. And they all feel just right. Um, and it doesn't feel like it's making a big point. And one of my issues with a lot of horror games is they always have to be about something bigger than themselves. It's not enough just to be creepy. It's like, oh, but what does the creepiness mean? What is the metaphor behind this? I love that kind of horror as well. But Bonbon feels like it It maybe has that behind it, but at the same time, it feels like it's just about the the things that, that stick in your imagination and the things that you see in the corner of your eye or the things that you hear through a wall that just grow and grow in your mind and become frightening uh and they don't have to necessarily be big important dreadful things it might just be something innocent that got turned sideways in your imagination and and i think that's much more uh like the rest of the game much more an authentic idea of what horror can be so that's bonbon sounds really cool um yeah, yeah it's great yeah yeah what was the other one uh, the other one's the shroud dial which i'll I'm, I'm going to be very brief on this again uh there'll be a review either tomorrow or monday i can't remember when that's i think it's out tomorrow in which case i'll try and get a review written um and that's um a game about being uh the head of a cult that's trying to raise a elder god as you do um and it's kind it's never of a younger god Most no well gods. you know what i think this one might be i don't even know if the god exists in this so one of the things that's interesting about it is that 
you're there to have a cult. It's 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 not presented as comedy, but there's a comic element to it because it's a management game. So it's turn based, and each turn you have to choose people to do different to to run different aspects of this society because you're you're a secluded society, um, and so you need to pick a teacher. Uh, and when you choose a teacher, you can see the vices and virtues that the people have. And what you want to do is pick the person with the most vices. And for a teacher on the Shrouded Isle, a vice is to be ignorant and superstitious uh, and close-minded because you're trying to make people stupider and more ignorant because the cleverer they get and the more aware of the outside world they get, the more they're going to realize that they actually don't want to be eaten by some god. So so you're trying to make people stupid. sounds a lot like my school. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. (sighs) So there's this whole idea of just turning vice and virtue on its head and there there is a comic element to that but yeah it's essentially a management game you're trying to make sure that everyone's scared and everyone's zealous uh, and everyone's frightened of everyone else and um and you do that i say by discovering people's character traits and then playing them off against each other but the twist is that at the end of every month which is four turns you have to sacrifice one of your community leaders so of the ones you've picked who are doing the job for you to keep people scared and ignorant you have to sacrifice one to the god and if there's somebody who's been really good at their job, i.e. really bad at their job, if that makes sense. So if they are the person who's spreading ignorance and then you have them killed, everyone goes mad because they're like, but we'd love that person. He was making us really miserable. <laughs> um, so you want to find people who were actually seem to be heretics. So people who were whispering about the outside world and how maybe we should try and get out of here. And then you burn them or stab them through the heart and sacrifice them to God, and then, you know, everything's fine. Everyone's like, well done, you're a very wise leader. Um, and so it's all about just balancing these different elements of society. Just just by literally clicking leaders, that's all you do. Uh, you choose what you want people to do every turn um, and try to survive. I think it's for four months, uh, so 16 turns. I think it is. It might be a little bit more. And then you win if nobody's revolted and got rid of you or fled. Uh, and it's really good and it's got loads of flavor it's one of those management games that's just full of thematic goodness it looks great and um it's got great music and yeah it's it's very nice uh but it's called the shrouded isle the shrouded isle interesting it sounds like a yeah they both sound really interesting actually yeah Um, yeah i was going to try and shoehorn in a segue but given that the game that would have segued was two games ago now um, I'm just gonna go for. Uh, we've actually got um, one of our quickfire questions uh, segments with Carla Zimonia, who is the co-founder, co-founder of Fulbright, who made Tacoma. So we should definitely listen to that. All right, I'm here now with Carla Zimonia. Hello. Zimonja? Yes, you did it. Who is one of Fulbright uh, Game Studio, uh, the creators of Tacoma, which we've just talked about a bit. And we're going to do some quick fire questions. Are you ready for this? Probably not, but you know, whatever, man. I guess that's the point, right? All right, no worries. So the rules are you just have to answer as quickly as you can. All right. All right. Would you rather live in Tacoma, Washington or Tacoma Space? Oh my God. Uh... Gosh, I haven't spent that much time in Tacoma, Washington, but, like, how can you say no to living in space? Okay, well, you're going to space anyway for the next question. Hooray! Starbucks says they'll pay your way to the stars if you make coffee for a year on the moon, but KFC say they'll bring you to Mars. Ah, ah, ah. 
for a year of frying chicken there. So who are you going with? What time period is this? I mean, like, I feel like the moon is so much more in reach, uh, like colonization wise, and Mars is probably going to be a little bit. So like, uh, if, if we're in, I feel like the moon is more in reach, like to be comfortable and habitable, like soon. But I guess if we're talking about a much later timeline, um, you should take into account that you're either making coffee or frying chicken. That's valid. Maybe I should make coffee. <laughs> Moon, moon coffee. Sounds sounds good. All right, Starbucks then. So it is. If you had an AI for a best mate, what would he or she be called? Um, That's a good question. Um, would, let's see, so if, if it's really a best mate, then it would have to be pretty advanced and human-like. Um, let's see. Gosh, what would I call that? I would probably be unable to resist doing some kind of... Uh, some kind of gag about it, uh, some kind of little bit of a joke, but hmm, probably like a William Gibson reference or something. What would be great? What would be truly great? I'm gonna need an answer. This is quick fire questions. Son of a gun! All right. Um, how about Wilhelmina? I would, I could call her that. All right. What if your AI bass me at Wilhelmina started ignoring your texts? Ah, oh, how upsetting. I would have to, uh, I would have to interrogate her about this. What if your AI best mate Wilhelmina started hanging out with Janet for marketing and like totally blanking you in the corridor and then going out for drinks with Janet and the girls instead of hanging out with you? <laughs> but she's an AI, so like this stuff is, you know, child's play for her, so why wouldn't she be able to do both simultaneously? Oh, good answer. Okay. <laughs> outer space or inner space? Uh, I don't think we know that much about outer space. Inter oh, wait, what do you mean? Do you mean, like, in terms of, like, the human mind, or do you mean, like... I have no idea Alice told me to ask this question. Wow. Um, well, because of Alice, I will, um, let's, let's say inner. All right, what's more exhilarating, rifling through people's trash or inspecting their toiletries? <laughs> uh, trash. Definitely trash. Do you think Fulbright's formula of sending the player into an abandoned place after a critical event will run out of steam someday? Ha! What a zinger. Um, it is true that it does not have infinite uh, legs, shall we say. Um, it I, We haven't thought about really what we're doing next, so we haven't run into that problem yet, but uh, we will probably have to address it at some point. So, yeah, probably it wouldn't go forever. Yeah. All right. Um, obsolescence Day is a day in the game where humans get the day off because, if I'm thinking correctly, it's because they aren't useful anymore. <laughs> Um, well, kind of. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it, well, how would you celebrate Obsolescence Day if it were real? So in the game, it is um, it's a holiday for people to celebrate the fact that they weren't made obsolete by AIs running everything in space. Oh, I see. Um, so it's kind of a it's kind of a like you know screw you guys we can totally keep you know actually earning a salary here um, holiday. Um, but let's see, if I were in danger of being made obsolete and escaped it, uh, let's see, how would I, what would I do with that? I would probably, um, hmm, gosh, what a good question. I don't know, I'd probably just like watch movies, <laughs> just do something that doesn't involve actually working at all, which doesn't really make any sense, but here we are. All right, last question. Where would you rather study, Blockbuster College or Office Depot University? Ah, these are so good. Um, let's say Blockbuster. Why? Do they still exist? I don't think so. I think they're bankrupt. I don't think so either. This is this is like a um, 
2001 future where like some of the companies are just gone. Um, we have an office depot that is right uh, next to our office. And while it is useful to get, you know, printer paper at or something, it is not my favorite location. Whereas I actually could hang out in a blockbuster a little bit, I think, if they existed. <laughs> Right, I believe that brings us to reader questions, or rather reader answers, because we asked uh, everybody what their comfort games were, I believe. We did, we did indeed. Oh, before we do that, I also wanted to say um, thank you to Ryan, who sent some digital grapes for Brendan to uh, digitally <laughs> nibble on in his sick bed. <laughs> I don't even like real grapes. Why would I like digital grapes? Oh, because you don't have oh. to eat them. They're better than real grapes. I appreciate them, Ryan. I'm Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we liked them. Yeah. Cheers, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like? What would you have liked? Big tin of tomato soup. Big tin of tomato soup. And yeah, a copy or of Final curry or something. Uh, so, no, a big fry up, a big fry up, loads of Irish bread. Send me loads of that. Okay, that's <laughs> oh, what we want. Can't we get want any of this stuff. Digital <laughs> Irish bread and a big fry up sent to <laughs> podcast at rockpapershotgun.com. Nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so comfort games. Comfort games, right. So uh, I'm, I have to do this, I'm afraid, Pip. I have to point out, you know where this is going. Uh, last week, <laughs> like last week. Going. Um, me and Brendy <laughs> talked about how Subnautica frightens us, and um, and Pip said that's weird because it's such a nice, lovely game, and as today mentioned, it as being a comfort game of sorts. And I was very pleased last week when we asked you lot to send us your suggestions for scary games, and a lot of people said Subnautica. And I've checked this Lame. again. I've checked this again and again. Nobody has suggested Subnautica as a comfort game because it's a horror game. Maybe they just assume that, no, like, that's what it is. Like, that's what it's... everyone knows. Mm -hmm. There's no need to mention it in the discourse it's because, because it's taken as read that <laughs> that everyone plays Subnautica to chill out under the sea so with monsters. Instead, we have. <laughs> <laughs> We have quite a lot of uh, suggestions for Elite Dangerous, which I thought was an interesting one. Uh, we have Max Ursa. This is uh, on Twitter. Uh, at Max Ursa suggested Elite. Um, and a couple of other people who are kind of Ben CVS83. And there was an interesting thing here because uh, Elite as a comfort game, I think has a lot in common with one of my favorite comfort games, which is um, American Truck Simulator or Euro Truck Simulator. Uh, and um, one of those tweets actually said, uh, "Elite is space trucking," um, <laughs> and the and I I think that is one of my comfort games. I didn't mention earlier, I didn't think of it, but yeah, just mm. driving is uh, so much fun. Driving, not racing, just driving. Right, so, does the fact that no one suggested Euro Truck Simulator or American Truck Simulator mean that Alec has us blocked on Twitter? At Mac Tribble. <laughs> Actually, at MacTribble says, I use the Truck Simulator games for this pretty regularly, which is ironic oh. since I hate driving in real life. <laughs> and This is weird to me, though, because I wouldn't, like, I like Elite Dangerous and I would play it if I want to switch my brain off and just go for a space drive mm. and bring some space whiskey to somewhere. Um, but I wouldn't call it a comfort game. I would just call it a, like, 
turn your brain off game like what was it you said a podcast game yeah yeah <laughs> i wouldn't call it a comfort like it's not I, don't I suppose know. it depends what you're seeking comfort from, because I think um, we spoke about this before we started recording, but... Um, don't lie, Pip, we spoke about this in a previous podcast, in this I podcast, which we recorded save... earlier, <laughs> and we, we've had to record again for the second time because I messed up the audio files. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to save your blushes. <laughs> Fine. In the previous podcast, which is now dead to us, yeah, the, the, it's uh, this is the re-dead version of that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the um the point that I think uh I was making was that you were looking for something that would make you feel better while you were genuinely ill, whereas Adam and I most recently have sought out games that have alleviated stress of some kind or another, like whether that's that hollow feeling of being hungover and sort of slightly oh god or whether it's been you know just sort of an onslaught of grown-up life getting in the way of things i feel like i want to to very quickly tell the story that i told which uh i'm not going to tell the football manager one there's a drunken football manager story in there somewhere but but i do have (laughs) a genuine fear because i do play comfort games when i'm hungover and I was talking earlier about in the long dark, I have all my stockpiled stuff in my farm and it's lovely and great. And I feel like one day I'll load it up and I'll be like, oh my God, somebody must have broken in. They've eaten all the food. They've spilled all the water. They've trashed everything. All the furniture's in pieces. All the oh, wood's the burned. bacon's gone. And then I'll remember coming back from the pub the night before and loading up the long dark and having a party. And I'll be like, oh no, oh God, it's all gone wrong. And that's how I'll die. That is how I'll die. <laughs> in the game <laughs> yeah yeah i think yeah but i think um to answer brendy's question i find the turning your brain off stuff so appealing it's why i like familiar games it's because i don't have to think but it occupies me just enough that i i'm not worrying about whatever the thing is if i'm if i'm sick sick then i tend not to just i i tend not to have screens on at all because it makes it worse but yeah like comfort games are very much things that like allow me to shut off my brain yeah i think that's fair yeah um in the simulator genre electric fox at electric fox 5 says train simulator just Pondering around the countryside in a steam locomotive, very relaxing. Um, Heroes of My Magic 3, Rob the Sky Games says, which is a good one, actually, I think. It's got lovely music. It's very, that's very calming, which is odd for a strategy game. But yeah, it doesn't take much effort. Few people have said Stardew Valley, which I think is a great call. Uh, even though I don't particularly get on with that game, um, I can absolutely see why it would be uh, the the tomato soup of games so yeah i think any game involves a little bit of farming and a little bit of you know digging up some plants and watering them is definitely a a relaxing kind of comforting game slime rancher yonder um, yeah harvest moon and animal crossing minecraft (laughs) yeah minecraft absolutely minecraft yeah Yeah. uh mark hill who is in at in hoc mark is my mortal enemy forever because he says it's always FIFA, which is absolutely fine. But he follows up with 100% guaranteed title for Liverpool each and every year. Well, only in FIFA, Mark Hill, only ever in FIFA. (laughs) (laughs) Retreat to your fantasy escapism. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's football. We got to do this. (laughs) 
Yeah, but certain people forget to field goalies. So um, well, 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 that's another story for another time. That is absolutely nothing to do with the drunken football manager story. <laughs> um, someone here, I don't know who this could be, Rory. Calderwell says just a wee touch of command and conquer on skirmish mode. Who could that be? That that is my that's my brother. He uh yeah, I remember him playing Command and Conquer quite a lot, so that must be something he goes back to whenever he's feeling like he needs to go. I would have thought he would say a Final Fantasy ten though, because he played through that game a lot. He was actually brilliant at Blitzball. Like oh, he was the only person I knew who who went and played all the Blitzball he could play. I bet My I've, long-running hatred of Blitzball. I've never well played documented. Blitzball, but I'm imagining now he can do the double zero gravity hoop. That's <laughs> All balls are the same. All the same game. Um, Hutch and, Tacoma Ball. Hutch and Toot, which is a great name, at Hutch and Toot, says, Eve, the chill music, the solitude, perusing the market and tweaking my ship. It's another good example of a game that I would not traditionally think of as being relaxing. Hard but... no. <laughs> what would you go and play Eve for if you wanted to relax? That well, is mad. I'm going to build to the two now, which are one of which is an obvious joke. Somebody just said, Amnesia, the Dark Descent. Um, <laughs> and that has got to be a joke. That has got to be. Maybe it was Satan. That, is it from at Satan? It's, it's from at Doctor Gildos. <laughs> Simon Morgan. Simon Morgan. You you are joking with us. I hope because I'm neither the descent is not car- even if you know it like the back of your hand in the same way that Pip knows uh, Ocarina of Time. Amnesia Dark Descent is not calming. It is absolutely fraught with tension. It's horrible. The prison levels of Amnesia made me want to stop playing the game and just never go back to it. It's a very unpleasant place to be. It's the opposite of calming and comforting. But then, there's one that's even worse, would you believe? Because I think this one is genuine. I think this is real. And this is Adam Siegel, another Adam. It's at Adam Sieg. Says VVVVVV, uh, the Terry Kavner game. Which, you, uh. you know the one. Are you... It yeah, says yeah. it's great. The gra- is it the gravity flippy one? Yeah, yeah. It's the one where you flip up and down. You don't jump. You just flip yeah. the gravity. And it's one of the um, hardest huh. games I've ever played, and it made me so angry. Like the the very thought of it fills me with rage. I can see why I I wouldn't call it a comfort game of mine because no way. But mm. I could see why if someone played that today. Do you think it's about getting into that zen state? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Like things yeah. like Super Meat Boy. I can see things like that, or Binding of Isaac. I know that yeah. people go back and back and back to them for various. I reasons. think the problem so here can... might be that I've never been that good at anything that it's become comforting. <laughs> <laughs> see, th- this is the thing. I sometimes play um, Ollie Ollie if I want to just zone out for a while. And it, I wouldn't say it's a comfort game, but it could be close if I was if no, I, I can see your point. It was I, so so good. You know, I think the closest yeah. thing I have to that is pinball, like uh, playing a pinball table that I know well, and just racking up loads of points. And I'm not even thinking, or you know, I'm not really engaged. There's there's one level of me that is obviously, but it's almost just mechanical. Mm. Uh, and I do find yeah. that quite comforting, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think really- it's an interesting answer. Oh no, it's definitely an interesting answer. I just thought it was a, uh, it was really out there because that game really does. It, oh, it fills me with rage. I love it. <laughs> I think it's great. But like, it was, it was such a test in patience for me. Something that I'm really surprised no one has mentioned is MMOs. 
Like, well, I Eve is kind of, but yeah. Kind of, but mm. I was expecting more kind of, I chill out in, I don't know, World of Warcraft or Guild I Wars think, or something. I think that reveals that people, even when they play their MMOs, they do know that they are they are just rats on their wheel. <laughs> They're just being their rats. Like, I would, I, I would dip into something like The Division every now and again, but I make no mistake, that's not a... That's nothing to do with comfort. That's just I want to see those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> the way you yeah. said that, then that that was uh, a little bit sinister, Brendan. <laughs> I want to see those numbers. Show me them numbers, boys. <laughs> I was also surprised that things like Super Hexagon didn't come up. Well, you know? Super like Hexagon, kind of... I would put back into that realm of games where, to me, it's it's so like you you know those um, old like physical games where you have the little thing and you have to lead it around a wire that buzzes if you touch it. Oh, Do you know right, what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That's what Super Hexagon is for me. It's the equivalent of that in digital form. And huh. I love Super Hexagon, but I feel like I'm on the verge of a breakdown the whole time I'm playing it. For like 30 yeah. second increments, I am on the verge of just absolute panic. I yes. think I just like that idea of being in the zone because I used to play a lot of the timed modes of things like Bejeweled and stuff and obviously it's a slightly different proposition but it mm. was there was something very comforting in I have literally one action that I'm doing over and over again with you know varying results and I you know I can only control a limited number of things and I have a timed thing in which to rack up a score and that was just a, a nice loop to be in and I think people would also get that with things like Tetris and whatever but I'm surprised that those really repetitive things didn't come up more. Well, what this makes me realize is that I may never have been in the zone because all these games <laughs> where people can apparently be in the zone and find it incredibly relaxing, I'm just like, I don't, I'm not in the zone. I'm somewhere outside the zone and it's horrible outside <laughs> the zone. I need to, The zone sounds like a good place. I mean, and if anybody would like to give Adam directions to the zone, please send them uh, to <laughs> podcast at rockpapershotgun.com. And if you're going to send Brendy the tomato soup, mine's a whiskey. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, in that case, I will give us, give us, give them the rest of the details that they need, should they, they? Directions to oh, our zone. Sake. Do you know what? I'm just going to start this part again. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to get in contact with us for any reason whatsoever, hopefully nice, hopefully sweet, but you know, whatever. Um, we are podcast at rockpapershotgun.com. You can find all of our witterings on the website, which is rockpapershotgun.com. On Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, we are at rockpapershot. Don't ask what happened to the gun. Um, and on Twitter individually, we are, well, I am at Philippa War, which is P H I L I P P A W A R R. Brendan is. I'm at Brendy underscore C. And Adam is. I am at non economical. Hmm. If you are feeling particularly galvanized slash excited slash positive about this particular episode, you can also head on over to iTunes and leave us a lovely review. We would be very pleased about that. You can also click the little like button on SoundCloud. 
Mm. Or, you know, like, share, and or subscribe I to anything. I did not know that. Yeah, there's a little heart button. Send us I don't hearts. think it's as useful as useful as an iTunes review, but it, it makes me feel good whenever I check the I stats. I love it when I see get a heart in the post. <laughs> wow. Well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <Huh? laughs> and on that note, uh, goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Send me your hearts. Bye. How about eBay? eBay is a good one. eBay University. That would have been much better. That would be awful. But yeah. So Instagram. I mean, that's the thing. Duolingo. No, that would work. Duolingo University would actually work. Oh, you're right. That might actually make a tiny bit of sense. Tinder University or something. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> what a terrible future we've made. Why did we do this? <laughs>